Welcome to the PaxX Podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 31 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? Oh, very well, Mary. Happy New Year. We start a new year with this episode, and uh, I, I wish I was where you are today. Oh, happy New Year to you too, Max. Um, I, I am in Las Vegas for International CES um, and also to participate in an event today actually with GoGo. We went up on the high roller Ferris wheel. Have you heard of this yet? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, it's pretty wild. And we got into a cabin that had a, a bar and <laughs> spent <laughs> half an hour boozing and schmoozing. Um, it was a lot of fun in advance of this show. So. Sounds I've great. been busy working, obviously. That's, of course. That's what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get started, we'd like to thank eGate Solutions for sponsoring this week's podcast. We all want happy passengers. They buy more and they're likely to be more loyal to your airline. But delivering a positive passenger experience is hard when you're relying on legacy systems and manual processes. eGate Solutions provides the technology behind onboard services, connecting and automating every step of an airline's operations from the warehouse to the passenger. With eGate, you can spend less time and money on the process and more on optimizing the passenger experience, which really is what we are all in the business of delivering. Visit eGate Solutions online at www.egate-solutions.com or email them at info at egate-solutions to learn more. Now, it is my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Scott Carmichael serves as Community Marketing Manager for in-flight connectivity provider GoGo and is an expert in the wonderful world of consumer electronics. And like myself, he's in Vegas for International CES and the related events around CES. Welcome, Scott Thank you so much. And greetings from a very dark and rainy Las Vegas tonight. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh. I got the temperature up to 80 degrees in my hotel. Sounds toasty. <laughs> well, Scott, welcome to the show. Uh, why don't we get started right away? Let's look at some of the PaxX news stories making headlines. First, virtual reality and, well, augmented reality also. These headsets are making a big splash. And we see Sony and Samsung HTC and even Facebook's Oculus Rift, they're all jockeying for headlines this week. I imagine that airline passengers will ultimately try to escape reality with their own VR devices, but will airlines adopt them as in-flight entertainment? Scott, you've actually written a white paper on this subject. What were your findings? Well, I mean, first of all, I think for our industry, it's very important to, to kind of split things up. You know, at the moment, we're looking at VR and augmented reality uh, in the bigger picture. But I think for our industry, it's very important to break it down into uh, products that are going to be valuable to passengers and those products that are going to be valuable to the airlines. Products that are valuable to airlines will be things like wearing virtual reality goggles for maintenance crews or things like that if they want to look at parts. Uh, and, of course, on the passenger side, entertainment. That's what it's all about, um, as you mentioned a moment ago, there's a lot of products coming out, especially this week as we're knee-deep in CES. Everybody's uh, coming up with the latest and greatest. I definitely believe that there will be a market for it in the future. Um, but you know, as a, when I wrote my white paper, I just don't see the market being entirely ready to be you know, loaded up on an airplane just yet. There's just far too many issues that both airlines and airline passengers will have to work out. Um, obviously, there's some very complicated issues like which brand do you pick, which technology do you go with. And then there's just some very basic things like hygiene, uh, battery life, uh, and then value of the products themselves. 
I know there has been an airline uh, last year that announced they were handing out Gear VR from Samsung to first-class passengers. Um, it's great. It's a fantastic way to, to get some PR value out of it. But in the in the practical world, it's, it's yeah, it doesn't really go beyond that. You know, you're dealing with products that are essentially worth a thousand dollars, and you're handing them out to people. Uh, you have to make sure, or in this case, flight attendants have to make sure that they get them back. Uh, flight attendants, and they also have to do some debugging and some tech help and customer care. And then, you know, for me, the biggest two issues: hygiene and battery life. You know, let's say that you just flew. Sydney to LA, watched a couple of great movies on your headset. I get on that same seat on the flight back and I wear your same headset. You know, just imagine the sweat dripping out of these things. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, Yummy. those are the, really the practical issues. You know, I, I'm sure that the technical side of things, we're going to figure that out. Um, I think Samsung has it down to an art at the moment uh, with their partnership with Oculus. Uh, but yeah, we got a long way to go till the practical issues have been resolved. Yeah, the the hygiene issue is a real ding 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 moment actually, um, because that is that doesn't sound very savory at all um, when you think about it. And and of course everything would need to be cleaned. That adds just a layer of complexity onto everything else. Um, would the catering folks handle it? Who would handle that? Um, I guess similar to how these airlines have to deal with the portable devices, a lot of some, some of the similar concerns and, and considerations, um, including, as you mentioned, powering them. Um, do, do you put a timeline on when the, the, maybe the price point comes down enough, Scott, and these kind mm-hmm. of issues are worked out when we might see more of a broader deployment? Or do you think it will stay kind of like what Qantas has done with first-class passengers, like a niche type mm-hmm. of offering for, for, for some time to come? What I see is, and, and I think we'll probably see you know, I think personally, I think back to the days when the first portable uh, DVD players came out. You know, you're looking at late 90s, early 2000s. You know, uh, you were carrying these bulky Sony DVD players. Um, these are going to be passenger carried. Uh, I don't foresee any airline supplied products in the future. Uh, I do see the airlines having a role in providing content, okay. uh, whether that's from you know, our own in-flight entertainment product or for say, you know, Lufthansa Board Connect or any of the other streaming products. If I carry my own device on the plane and I plug it into my iPad, if I can then watch VR content that is streamed off the plane, then I see a role for the airline that will be, you know, very interesting. Hmm. Uh, Scott, do you think the airlines need to wait for standards to emerge in order to do that? I mean, when, when I look at all this, I think that this is probably going to be driven by gaming. I think that's the, you know, the the tip of the spear on this. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering, should aviation get ahead of it or instead follow the technology developed through gaming? And does it really matter? Because as far as the passengers are concerned, this is new, this is cool, and that's great. That sells. <laughs> Um, you're absolutely right. There, there is without a doubt a, a very big market for gaming. Um, when it comes to those devices, uh, those will always be passenger provided. People are going to bring their own device on. They're going to play games. Um, there is a, a pretty good market for entertainment only devices. Uh, one of the, the big Kickstarter um, successes last year, the Avagat Glyph, for example, uh, basically looks like a pair of headphones but you can actually fold the headband down and there are 
miniature projector built into the headband that actually projects your content onto your retinas. Uh, that's the kind of technology that is, you know, five years ago, people would not have expected that to be invented within the next 20 years. That's how advanced some of this stuff is. Um, so, again, uh, it's going to be a split. Some people will bring them on, they'll lie back, put on their goggles, and they'll be completely immersed in a movie. Others will sit and they'll play a game. Um, gaming, you know, requires a lot of bandwidth, uh, even just between the device and the headset. You know, you're looking at high-res movies and you're going to have to have a, an iPad or something more powerful, extra battery pack, some headphones, some power cables. And once you start putting that all together, you know, the night before your flight on the bed and you lay it all out, you're going to look at it and realize that it's just not practical yet. You know, the uh, the great irony, of course, of, of the fact that, that the VR headsets, uh, you know, have initially been offered on, you know, on a, on a premium level, mm-hmm. speaking, think, you know, thinking specifically of Qantas, is that actually it is the passengers in the back of the bus that are the ones that are going to want to really escape their reality as these seats are getting crushed closer and closer together. And from mm-hmm. a content perspective, how do you, you know, you know, how do you take that passenger out of that cabin and into a whole other world where they're running in a field <laughs> and <laughs> moving their legs and feeling their feet? Um, is there is there anything because obviously you guys are, you know, you're the the top in-flight connectivity provider in the United States. You're you're broadening out globally, Scott, mm-hmm. but you're also an in-flight entertainment. Uh, company with your streaming wireless service, GoGo Vision. I mean, when you're thinking content, do, are you going to have to start thinking creatively uh, from a content perspective as these devices, you know, take hold and, and more and more passengers are yes. climbing aboard? Yeah. Without a doubt, yes. Um, you know, the upside is that an awful lot of the content that will be used on these devices. Um, is content that is just being developed uh, generically as well. So if you're looking, for example, at a 3D movie, uh, you know that's already being produced. It's made. It's it's on a server somewhere with the movie studios because it's it's being sold. And whether that's being sold to a service like Netflix or Amazon or something like that, the the content is out there. Um, you know, like Max mentioned, you know, standards. I think that's a very very important question. Uh, studios are not going to want to invest in redeveloping entire new formats. They're going to want to take what they have. They're going to want to, you know, just send it over. They don't want to have to deal with conversions or dealing with entirely new DRM systems. Um, so, you know, anything off the shelf, I think it's it's going to be more of a case of the devices will have to adapt to that than the other way around. Interesting. Well, another technology area that I'm sure is a major theme at CES is the Internet of Things, IoT. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see uh, smart cars, smart home appliances, smart lights, smart doorbells, smart everything. Everything's got a computer (laughs) embedded in it or or some plan to do that. And we've talked a, a little bit about that in the past, about how IoT might impact aviation. But Scott, do you see any particular connected things that might be likely applications either at the airport or in the aircraft environment, especially in the near term? Without a doubt. Um, I mean, I tend to like to back up a little bit when we start talking about IoT. Um, you know, it's a it's a great buzzword, got a phenomenal PR value, and you can come out and say that you know you are the new IoT cloud superstar. <laughs> At the end of the day, what IoT means is it's connected, and that's all it is. You know, five years ago, 
it was called a connected car or a connected doorbell, and now we're calling it the the door IoT doorbell of the future. Um, connectivity is, especially in the aviation industry, is going to be game changing. Um, we are no longer going to be living in a world where anything known about an airplane comes out of a stack of papers that are offloaded once the plane lands. Um, or a pilot that has to walk a, a logbook into a, a room and then pass it to someone else. Uh, people are going to be alerted while that plane is still in the air. If bathroom one right is broken, then the guy that fixes that is going to know about it before that plane lands. And that connectivity extends from every single part of the plane. It, it could be something as unbelievable as engine parameters. You know, uh, what's the temperature of a specific bearing in an engine? But it could also be sending a receipt for a cop salad to the gentleman in seat 1A. Uh, no longer will you deal with offline credit card processing. You know, all these handhelds that are being used in the cabin will be connected. The pilots will have access to connectivity for weather, for turbulence information. Um, the engine manufacturers will have access to all that information. It goes on and on. Every single aspect of the plane can and eventually will be connected. And I think we're, you know, along with our our competitors, are in a fantastic position right now. You know, we've we've all changed the way passengers fly. Um, and I think that the the world of connected aviation is is going to be even larger than that. Yeah, it's really fascinating to see how the conversation has moved from connectivity to support, you know, what passengers want to do in flight to the whole nose-to-tail E-enabled aircraft and really what airlines can do from an operational standpoint. Um, Scott, you know, I guess a lot of people don't realize that there is some level of kind of like IoT of aviation already kind of going on, right? There's sensors aboard the aircraft, um, and, and, and and in fact, information being streamed oftentimes over very narrow band pipes, um, you know, but still, nonetheless, it is, it obviously is happening. Now that the broadband connectivity is, is well, and will become ubiquitous now that that's happening what is it how does that change the game between you know going from these kind of narrow band these kind of iridium type pipes to then KU KA what does it mean in terms of moving that that information off the aircraft well i think you know the big one for airlines obviously and i think that applies to you know, a lot of what what they're trying to accomplish is going to be cost savings very easily you know, how, what can we do with knowledge that will save money. So that means saving fuel, that means speeding up boarding times, quicker turnarounds, uh, quicker repairs, knowing about a part that may be failing uh, instead of just saying that it has failed. It means that they're able to get to things much quicker. And when you do that, you have less downtime. Uh, if you can keep a plane out of a hangar, that is always going to be you know, the best option for an airline, of course. Uh, right now, as you said, a lot of it is 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 really it's just very small streams of data, um, and they can get a lot of information out of that, but not enough to uh, to really have something that you would call a connected plane. Um, it goes beyond knowing that something is broken. It, it comes down to something may break or something may happen, uh, and they're able to use a lot of that data on the ground make decisions and then make decisions that are going to end up saving them money, helping passengers, uh, you know, and in the end, 
we all benefit from that because that means fewer cancellations, fewer delays, uh, bags make it on time, airfares go down. It's just a huge cycle of benefits for passengers. Scott, I have one concern about this, and it relates to security. And mm-hmm. I know this comes up a lot uh, in the in the past few months, but uh, as more and more component manufacturers, subsystem manufacturers, consumers, consumer uh, product companies uh, look to connect their devices or their components, their parts, whatever, uh, a lot of this is built around uh, proprietary software in each case. And so you have a situation where co- maybe companies that are not normally associated with robust software development are off coding their own proprietary systems. Uh, does that, do you think, uh, open up the possibility for uh, you know malicious attacks or uh, problems of that sort uh, that uh, you know might not be the case when it's just a few companies really that produce the software? Sure. Well, first of all, I am by no means a an IT or an aviation IT security expert. Um, I think there's first of all what you said when it applies to stuff that is not related to aviation. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, even just looking at my own home, a uh, connected doorbell, I have a connected thermostat. Um, I am placing a lot of trust in these companies um, to first of all be very careful with my data, and also to ensure that. You know, the kind of things that I have going on in my house are not being misused. So that's the side that is not related to aviation. Uh, I'm not an expert in that either, but, you know, I, I am very well aware that I'm placing a lot of trust in a company. Like you said, that, you know, maybe even outsourced some of it programming. We're never 100 percent, you know, secure when it comes to that. So you, you have a lot of faith there. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the aviation industry, um, it's probably good that I'm not an expert because I do look to others uh, for their thoughts on that. And if there's one thing I've learned um, in my you know, my career in this business, um, the companies that make these planes and make these components, if there's any risk factor involved, it's just not going to happen. They're so cautious with everything they do that uh, they would not put a component on a plane that would have some form of IT security risk. And that's just my personal opinion from being around people that develop some of this stuff. Um, at the same time, there are also just some, some technical um, safeguards in place. You know, I know last year there was a, a big brouhaha once somebody said he you know, plucked mm-hmm. something in under the seats and had full engine control. Um, <laughs> thankfully, you know, the, yes. you know, the airframe makers basically come out and said that it's just complete and utter untrue. It's just not physically possible because these systems are physically not connected. And that is really where the safety is. Um, If you have a a temperature sensor in an engine on an airplane, and the only thing that sensor does is tell you hot or cold, that sensor is never going to be able to shut down the engine. So everything that keeps us safe on the plane is going to be done because of physical safeguards that are there. Uh, So again, sensors are not going to be you know, connected to the ignition system, for example. There's no way to suddenly shut down the engine or, you know, move the flap or anything like that. So, you know, I think it's a lot of it just comes down to, you know, if you're an IT person and you're at a, a trade show, it, it's, it makes for a great topic. But it's, you know, I, I think we have to have a, a good amount of faith that the airframe makers know very, very well what they're doing. If something's going to be offloaded on that plane, it's never going to happen if there are issues that could jeopardize the safety of their passengers. 
All right. Well, here's a topic that's maybe a little more pleasant, uh, Scott. I'm, I'm told <laughs> that you're a, kind of a gadget hound and that obviously that you do a lot of traveling around the world. So uh, we wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us about some of the gadgets that you uh, enjoy, some of the must-haves or some of the things yeah. that you uh, are looking forward to. Sure. Um, you know, first of all, you're right. I mean, I love my gadgets. Um, it's a, a very unhealthy and very expensive obsession. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, it does make travel um, a lot more pleasant. You know, if you can check into a hotel room and you have the cables on you to plug into the back of the TV and watch a movie instead of you know, trying to watch one of the 14 different ESPNs. Um, for me, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, I like to look at the big picture. Uh, battery life is probably my my biggest pet peeve. Uh, each year, my phone gets thinner and thinner. Battery life never improves. Um, we're starting to see companies slow down a little bit on that uh, and you know take a closer look at what uh, what people actually want to do with their phone and come to the realization that they do not need a nine millimeter thick, ultra thin phone that can slice a piece of cake. And if they made it twice as thick, it would actually last three days instead of, you know, just before dinner time. So we're finally seeing that. Um, another big thing I really like seeing is USB-C. Um, probably the least sexy topic there is when it comes to gadgets. But uh, I love the new USB connectors that are showing up uh, on devices like the new Apple MacBook. Uh, we're seeing it on a lot of the new Dell laptops. Uh, the Nexus phones, they're all using this new USB plug. Uh, which, like the lightning connector that Apple designed, is reversible. It can power, I think it's up to 7 or 8 amps, which means you could power a, you know, a monitor off it, for example. So I love seeing that. Um, favorite gadgets right now, man, you know, for some reason, I always go back to my Bose headphones. Uh, I have the, the Bose QC20 in-ear noise-canceling headphones. Um, it's the kind of gadget that if I happen to forget it or break them, uh, five minutes later, I would go up and get myself a new pair. I just love them that much. Stuff I'm traveling with now, the new Microsoft Surface Book, um, extremely powerful tablet laptop hybrid uh, with just incredible design. You know, the people that are on the Apple side of the world have been, you know, spoiled for so long. Or we PC fans had to deal with cheap pieces of plastic and lousy keyboards. And we're finally getting hardware that is just of incredible quality. Yeah, I've been eyeing that device myself. It's it, it's absolutely gorgeous. It really is. You know, you're, you're talking about glass trackpads and beautiful keyboard. And, you know, so after all these years of eyeing MacBooks and MacBook Airs, we finally have a laptop. We can say, you know, we belong to the club of good looking computers now. Oh, hey, I don't even remember the last time I was a PC fan. It's been so many years, but <laughs> this sounds like a good one. Now, something that you, you said uh, earlier, Scott, about um, you know, USB-C, one of the issues, of course, that we have in aviation is the fact that, obviously, you need power. I mean, I, I was on, mm -hmm. flew to Vegas, did not have power because I was on the old U.S. Airways aircraft that haven't been retrofitted, uh, you know, as American yet. Um, and so, you know, no in-seat power. And, of course, you know, getting getting into Vegas, wanting to be able to um, just something basic, you know, get my pass for CES, which you can do at the airport now, and my phone being out of juice. And just like these little things where it's like, man, we really need to have in-seat power, A. But B, how do these airlines, you know, ensure that they have 
that they're supporting the latest technology when the, you know, obviously the time it takes so long to get new technology certified and onboard aircraft. Well, you know, you 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 have a unique kind of view of the world because you are like a gadget king on the one hand, but you guys are also in-flight connectivity providers, and in-flight connectivity and power kind of really go hand in hand for the passenger. How do you view it in terms of the life cycle of of what you're seeing out there on aircraft, and and how can airlines make sure that they have that they're able to support their passengers with these new brand new devices? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I think that's probably the kind of question that keeps a you know an airlines amenity manager up at night. Um, you will never be always up to date with the latest standard. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, I think USB C is so important because it's the first you know really big standard that actually got backed by everyone. And Apple was one of the co-designers of it. Um, Intel is behind it, HP is behind it, Dell is behind it. Um, the big question, of course, is, you know, what about 10 years down the line? What about five years down the line? Is it still relevant then? Uh, and again, I, I don't think anyone has the answer to that. As far as I'm concerned, the, the only way around the power problem is to bring your own. And of course, that opens up a, a whole bunch of other questions about lithium-ion batteries and things like that. But, right. you know, that, Quite frankly, I think the best way to do it nowadays is to just buy a, a good quality brand name, high capacity power power pack and bring your own power because you're always going to run into issues. It could be that next time you're at a gate and there are plenty of airports out there where power is basically nowhere to be found. I'm talking to you, O'Hare, for example. <laughs> um, you know, that's my answer to anyone that ever asks about in-flight power. Yeah. What do I do? And it's honestly the best and only solution that will always work. Bring your own. Yeah. Yes, it, it has its safety implications, but that is a conversation for another time. And, of course, we take your point that if it's a respected uh, uh, provider, that, that is key. Obviously, there's been a lot of problems with, uh, unfortunately, with battery issues and, and, of course, with the recent hoverboard case. Um, uh, yes, it's been a little bit uh, worrisome in terms of what that means in terms of safety in the cabin. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff, Scott. Absolutely. Is there any particular like new gadget at CES that you know is going to be on the show floor? Any particular company that you will make a beeline to when you get in there tomorrow? I mean, I know that there's oftentimes a lot of vaporware at CES, and obviously there's a lot of companies that never make it to really prime time. They have what seems like a good idea, but for whatever reason, it just never happens. Is there anyone that is really striking your interest? No, I think this is probably the second or third year in a row where there is no central theme to, to anything new that I would call exciting. Um, if you look back maybe three years ago, it was all about 3D TV. Uh, then it was about HD TVs. Uh, it was about Ultrabooks, which were such a big deal. And then, you know, 2008, 2009, it was the netbook. We're in a kind of a situation right now where Everything is moving at such an incredible pace that there is no central theme to something that people are going to have to look forward to. If there, if there is a theme to be named, it's improvement. Every product, basically every year, is becoming better. Um, you know, the V1 turns into the V2 and the V2 turns into V3. And each year that, that product is evolving. There have been basically no new product categories that I've seen as far as phones or laptops or anything like that. 
it's all just the same stuff getting better than it was. You know, we saw a few years ago the, the phablet, so the, the kind of phone tablet hybrid where we moved towards six, six and a half inch devices. That was a big move. Now all we're seeing is those same devices get better. So you're going from, you know, like the, the Samsung Galaxy S6, you're moving on to an S7, and you're moving from the, you know, the, the Lenovo Yoga 900 to the 900S. So it's better. It's nicer, it's lighter, it's sometimes more powerful, sometimes cheaper, sometimes more expensive. Uh, but for those people that just like to stay up to date on everything that's new, it's a fun show. There's you know, stuff that you like that is now becoming better. Uh, but there is no one product or one company I can point to and say, hey, they have something that is revolutionary or new this year. Okay. We're so used to disruptive technology and, you know, step changes in the technology that we, we kind of expect it. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I, for one, I, I could I could stand for a little pause maybe and, and let's just take what we have and make it a little bit better. I, I think I'm quite comfortable with that. <laughs> Our pocketbooks are as well, yes. I think, at this point. Well, uh, we are rapidly coming to a close here, unfortunately. I want to thank our listeners. And remember, you can find us online at RunwayGirlNetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at RunwayGirl. And remember to use the PaxX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. We'd love if you would join in the conversation that has gone global. Um, I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor, eGate Solutions. And I'd like to thank Scott for being our guest. Scott, where can listeners find you at? So I am uh, usually the voice behind at GoGo, and you will also find us at facebook.com slash GoGo. Oh, very good. Scott, it's been a pleasure. Uh, hope you enjoy CES, you as well, Mary. And we'll ask all of you to join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX Podcast. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.